presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, champion of the weak and the oppressed, who came to Earth from the planet Krypton with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a large metropolitan newspaper. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen, have become deeply involved in another baffling mystery. Assigned by Editor White to interview Sidney Rycroft, British explorer, Kent discovered the explorer was a woman, not a man. Miss Rycroft confided to Kent and Jimmy the fact that her life was in danger because she had dared to break the seal of the tomb of Osiris in Egypt. Our friends accompanied Miss Rycroft to the theater that night, where, in a weird adventure, Superman foiled an attempt on the girl's life. Having seen Miss Rycroft safely to her hotel, Kent returned to Editor White's office at the Daily Planet, where a fresh surprise awaited him. Listen. Oh, Sidney Rycroft is a woman, eh, Kent? That's right, Chief. But look here, suppose we discuss this later, huh? I see you've got a visitor. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, where are all men, Colonel Wright? I'm inclined to think, Kent, that my visitor would be very much interested in your decidedly weird story. Why should he be interested in it, Chief? Because he happens to be Sidney Rycroft. Huh? Mind if I sit down, Chief? I'm beginning to feel a little dizzy. What's gotten into you, Kent? Oh. I send you and Jimmy Olsen out to interview Sidney Rycroft, the British explorer. You're gone all afternoon and all night. Jimmy comes back and tells me some weird story about a theater disappearing or some such thing, and then you bounce in. Tell me you've been with Rycroft all day, then that Rycroft is a woman. When all the time, Rycroft is sitting right here in my office. Uh, look, look here. I'd rather you didn't argue with me. What? I don't understand this at all. Chief, I give you my word, I went to the hotel you named and asked for Sidney Rycroft. And when Jimmy and I got to Rycroft's apartment, a girl opened the door. She told me that she was Sidney Rycroft. Yes, yes, Kent. Go on. Well, she said she had two extra tickets for the great Gambini tonight, and would Jimmy and I care to go with her? Well, we went. Gambini called for a volunteer from the audience to help him in a disappearing act, and Miss Rycroft went up onto the stage. Oh, you went to see the great Gambini, did you, Kent? That's right, Chief. You're lying, Kent. You know as well as I do that Gambini died ten years ago. Well, we saw someone who called himself the Great Gambini. Go on, go on with your story, Kent. I just want to see how far your feverish imagination can go. Oh, Chief, believe me, I'm telling you the truth. Gambini put Miss Rycroft into a box and caused the box to disappear. And then he walked off the stage and the curtain came down. And uh, Miss Rycroft did not reappear, eh? That's right. Hmm. Jimmy and I were worried, so we went backstage to see what had happened. Well, that's when we got the shock of our lives. We found an old man back there, a watchman, who said the theater had been closed for years. And to bear him out, there was dust and cobwebs all over the place. Oh, mystifying what? Uh, go on, Ken. Go on. Your imagination oh, is amazing. Honestly, Chief, this is all on the level. What do you mean, on the level? Kent, you've either invented this thing or you've dreamed it. Well, what about Jimmy? We both couldn't have dreamed the same thing. Jimmy will believe anything you tell him. But go on with this fairy tale of yours. What happened after you discovered the theater hadn't been used in years? Why, uh, well, nothing. We, uh, we, we left the place. Well, why did Jimmy come back here alone? Well, I wanted to be by myself for a while. I wanted to think the thing out. Then get out, eh? And you better go home and sleep it off, Kent. But, Mr. White, uh, I... Tell... No, look here. I, I feel frightfully guilty about this whole thing. I, I don't know quite what it's all about, but I do feel that I'm somewhat to blame. On the contrary, no, no, Mr. No, no, Rycroft. No. We've imposed upon you. But I'll make it up to you. Instead of one article about you and your globe-trotting adventures, we'll run a series. Yeah. Only this time, I'll get someone I can trust to know it. Hiya. Is well, Kent in here? Tumbleweed. Tumbleweed Jones. I'd almost forgotten all about you. So the chief got you out of jail, did he? He sure did, and I'm mighty grateful to him. Then you can show your gratitude by staying out of my office. 
This cowboy friend of yours, Kent, has given me more trouble than six other people put together. Mr. White, you're a mighty fine hombre, but that temper, you don't need sweetening. Uh, here, here's some fudge. I don't want any of your blasted fudge. Oh, Kent, I wish you were still out west somewhere. I wish you had never arrived back here this morning. I wish, I wish you'd get out of here and take this jumping weed or whatever his name is with you. But Chief, go I'm on, go on, get out, get okay, out. Okay, okay, let's go, Tumbleweed. Right with you, son. Say, uh, what's Mr. White raising all that dust about, Kent? I can't explain now, Tumbleweed. One thing I do know. What's that, Kent? Listen. Tonight, Jimmy and I saw a performance given by the great Gambini. Now I'm given to understand that Gambini died ten years ago. Well? Well, that man inside there with Editor White claims to be Sidney Rycroft, the explorer. Now, his name may be Rycroft, all right. But when I saw him on the stage tonight, he called himself the Great Gambini. You mean to tell me that that fella in there is two people? Why, what kind of sense can you make out of that? I can't make any kind of sense out of it yet, Tumbleweed. But I will before I'm through. Look, you care to come with me? I'll tell you the whole story on the way. Where are you bound for? I'm going to jump in a cab and go back to the hotel where I just left Miss Sidney Rycroft. I'm going to get to the bottom of this mess right now. most low-code story I ever did hear. First thing I've got to determine for sure, Tumbleweed, is which of these two people, the man or the woman, is really Sidney Rycroft. Yeah, and uh, supposing you find out, then where are you? Well, that remains to be seen. A lot of questions that need answering. That business tonight of the girl disappearing, and the theater having the appearance of not having been used in years. Well, that was all an elaborate trick, I'm sure. I'll find out how it was accomplished in time. But why should anyone go to all that trouble? You got me. Another thing, Tumbleweed, you can't make me believe that these Egyptian fanatics, or whatever you call them, would follow that girl all the way around the world merely because she'd broken the seal of the tomb of Osiris. Now, I'm convinced there's something more to it than that. Well, you figure it out, kid. I can't. I'll know a lot more than I know now once I've talked with the girl who calls herself Sidney Rycroft. Oh, here we are. Here's the hotel where she's staying. All right, there you are, driver. Thanks, bud. Come on, Tumbleweed. Right with you, kid. Why, I've come to see Miss Sidney Rycroft. Will you announce me, please? The name is Kent, Clark Kent. Certainly, sir. I'll ring up her room. Miss Sidney Rycroft, please. What beats me, Kent, is how you rescued the girl from them hombres after you found her backstage. I didn't know you was a fighting man. Oh, the, that was nothing. Most of them ran off. Scared to death they were getting into trouble, I guess. I'm afraid it wasn't much of a fight. Uh, Miss Rycroft doesn't answer, sir. Oh, keep trying, please. Ring Miss Rycroft again, operator. Say, hey, uh... You don't reckon something's happened to that gal again, do you? I don't know, Tumbleweed. Funny she doesn't answer. Hello? Miss Rycroft? Oh. This is the desk. He got it all right. Uh, Mr. Clark came to see you. Shall I have him come up? Uh, very well, Miss Rycroft. Uh, Miss Rycroft says she'll come down, if you don't mind waiting, gentlemen. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's funny, Tumbleweed. Why should she object to our coming up? She didn't this afternoon. Don't ask me, can't I? Never did understand women. But now don't you go to breaking a stirrup. Let you and me just sit down here in the lobby and wait and let the female get to you. Tumbleweed, I'm worried. We've waited in this lobby for over 30 minutes and still no sign of Miss Rycroft. Better ask that fella at the desk to call up again. No. No, what we'd better do is go right on up to her room. 
Come on. Well, Ken, she said to wait down here till she came down. Well, maybe she did, but I'm not waiting. Come on, we're taking the elevator up to the eighth floor. Come on, Tumbleweed. She's in room 814. Right with you, kid. Oh, here we are. I'll ring. Sounds as quiet as a grave inside there. Yeah, sounds too quiet. See, look, kid. Huh? It's your door ain't even shut tight. I can't, but... Why, George, you're right. That's funny. I think we'd better have a look inside. Supper and coyotes, Kent. Look at this place. Yeah, we're too late. Everything turned upside down. Furniture scattered all over the place. There must have been a struggle, Tumbleweed. Well, I'll say, it appears to me is how they made off with the gal. Tumbleweed. I hear you. Remember while we were waiting downstairs, that heavily veiled woman got off the elevator? That old woman, you mean, supported by the two men? Old woman, nothing. Unless I miss my guess, that veiled woman was Miss Sidney Rycroft. Well, brother, what are we waiting for? We're not. Come on. The quicker we get downstairs, the better. Yes, sir. I'm the doorman of this hotel. How long have you been on duty? Five hours. Why? A woman, heavily veiled and supported by two men, went out the door about half an hour ago. Did you notice them? Why, yeah, yeah, I did. I called a cab for them. Where were they going? Do you know? Why, yeah, I heard one of the men give the driver an address on Water Street. But look here, you. What, what are you... What was the address? What's it to you? Anyhow, I don't remember. Would, uh, would this help you to remember? Ten bucks. Well, uh, let me see now. Come on, uh... what was the address? Uh, yes, sir. I remember now. It was 417 Water Street. 417 Water Street. Tumbleweed? Yeah, Ken? I want you to do something for me. Go back to the office and send a cable to the Explorers Club in London. Just say, is Sidney Rycroft a man or a woman? And sign my name. But, Ken, I... Do as I tell you. I'll see you later. around the corner now, out of sight. Now, let's see. The address the doorman gave me was 417 Water Street. Well, it looks as if I'll have to pay a visit to that address. And I think this is a job for Superman. What is the answer to this strange puzzle? What will Superman find when he arrives at 417 Water Street? Will he manage to save the girl from whatever danger threatens? And what is the solution to this baffling mystery? Be sure to hear the next thrilling episode of our story with Superman. And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
God. January 20th, 1941. The Black Pearl of Osiris 3. Welcome to Superman Radio Revisited, the podcast that does not care if the voice of Superman is or is not played by a real Kryptonian. Besides, Clayton Bud Collier does an outstanding job. I'm your host, Matt, and I begin the episode by saying the date because that is when it is believed that the episode first aired. Although, doing a little bit of housekeeping, as I said in a prior episode, that they, at this time, they were aired on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I've seen advertisements that they also could have been aired on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, depending on where you're catching the show, which station you're listening to. But I'm going to go ahead and say the date of the Monday, since that would be the f- before the Tuesday. So that is how I'm getting that date of the original airing. And I don't know if they played it once or twice. It'd actually be nice if they were playing them more than once in case the listening audience couldn't catch it the first time and if there's a later airing. A lot of the questions I would have about that, but I would just have to maybe get a book about that or something. So maybe later. Maybe I'll try to dig into more of that in a future episode, but let's dive into this episode. So we're trying to figure out who the real Sidney Rycroft is. As Clark was talking to Perry at the beginning, and Perry does a nice job towards the beginning of recapping the events so far. I'm just going to play that clip. I'm beginning to feel a little dizzy. What's gotten into you, Kent? Oh. I send you and Jimmy Olsen out to interview Sidney Rycroft, the British explorer. You're gone all afternoon and all night. Jimmy comes back and tells me some weird story about a theater disappearing or some such thing, and then you bounce in. Tell me you've been with Rycroft all day, then that Rycroft is a woman. So Perry says how Clark bounced in, and I had no idea that was part of the vernacular back then. Of course, he's using it as an entrance Whereas these days, I would expect it to be used as an exit line, as in, I got a bounce. So I just didn't know the roots went back that far for that saying. Maybe Perry started it. And then just other things that I didn't know, wasn't expecting to hear at this point in a show from the 40s was like later in the episode when Tumbleweed calls Clark brother. And I would have thought maybe, yeah, two guys calling each other brother that are friends. Sure, I could see that happening. But I would have thought the roots of that would have been more like the 60s, 70s. I don't know when it started. I don't know where it started. But I would guess Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And then also, this was kind of prescient when the apartment door was opened and Clark said, by George. As in George Reeves, who would go on to play Superman in the Adventures of Superman television show, perhaps? Nah, I don't think so. It's just his expression, but I thought it was fun. And so going back 
to the beginning in the office and when Clark is there and or Perry was all frustrated because of you know events that had transpired and he got Tumbleweed out of jail and Tumbleweed was you know grateful and Perry was saying how much trouble Tumbleweed is and he can thank him by staying out of the office yeah Here's some fun. I don't want any of your fudge. No. So I like to think Tumbleweed looks dirty. He doesn't have the best hygiene. So Perry's disgusted at the thought of eating anything he offers. But I know it's just Perry being Perry. All, you know, hard-nosed and just business and wanting... He's just all flustered at what he perceives to be Clark not getting the right story. And as Clark is talking to Tumbleweed about this whole thing, and he tells Tumbleweed how the supposed Sidney Rycroft that was in the office with him was also seen posing as the great Gambini earlier why wouldn't Clark tell Perry that that was that the Sidney Rycroft in the office was also who we saw as the great Gambini I mean being an audio medium we don't know how different they actually look from each other if it was a costume when he had the great Gambini stuff on you can imagine he had a cape and a hat as a magician or what but it could be i'm just chalking it up to uh i mean that could have maybe smoothed things over with perry who's obviously heated at him at the moment and even wants to take him off the assignment sounds like and he wants to give gambini a whole or excuse me he wants to give sydney rycroft this whole feature uh, of a series of articles to make up for it but maybe that could have, like I said, smoothed things over with Perry, but maybe Clark didn't want to do that while the supposed Sidney Rykoft was there with him, either for a reporter reason. Maybe he thought he could get a the lowdown on the story or the reason behind it through his investigating. Or perhaps he thought this guy's, there's something not right about him. You know, the whole magic stuff that we had seen earlier or heard about earlier and he does not want to put Perry at risk of danger so he just didn't want to do it with them together I don't know so we did not have any Lois this episode or Jimmy but we do get Tumbleweed Jones and I am delighted I wonder how long he's going to stick around and so Speaking of Tumbleweed, it was amusing to me just when Tumbleweed said the line about when Clark told Tumbleweed about how uh, the supposed Sidney Rycroft was also the great Gambini and Tumbleweed said, you mean he's two, posing as two people? And Clark, what kind of sense can you make of that? And Clark just brushes it off. Uh, 
no sense at all. But, of course, he should be able to make some sense of it. Superman, Clark, dual identity that he has. Wanting to get to the bottom of things, Clark and Tumbleweed head to the hotel where the woman who is also claiming to be Sidney Rycroft is staying. And Clark says he'll catch him up on the way. And this is when, after Tumbleweed hears a little bit about how Clark rescued her, he says how he didn't know Clark was a fighting man. And Clark tells Tumbleweed that most of them ran off. Scared to death of getting in trouble, I guess. Afraid it wasn't much of a fight. I'll say... In the hotel lobby, Clark and Tumbleweed told the front desk to alert Miss Rycroft to their presence, and they were going to head up, but she did not want them to go up. She was going to come down. And that's this episode's bit of sketchiness, as I've kind of stated my misgivings about her. Just to go over those again, she seemed to know about that magic finale act. And last episode, she did not want Clark to go after her. And she didn't want those, didn't seem like she wanted those thugs questioned. And now she doesn't want them to come up. And so they're waiting for a half hour. And she doesn't go down. And I think at a half hour, they're definitely justified going up, heading up there to her room. Because after all, she has this, these fanatics after her, this cult of Osiris, right? So as they're going into the elevator, they do notice, like, leaving, there's a woman, a heavily veiled woman, being supported by two men. Huh. Probably nothing. So they go up to the eighth floor, and this must be kind of a fancy hotel because we had that front desk, and now we have a hotel or a elevator operator. Maybe that's standard procedure. And I wonder what you would like back in the day. Maybe that's just what elevators all elevators had operators i don't know or maybe it's just like the fancier hotels so i wonder what you would tip a elevator operator if that's something you need to even do or if the hotel hopefully takes care of that anyway they get up see that her room was ransacked and this is when it hits clark oh maybe that heavily veiled woman um and so that's when they get down and that's actually the part where Tumbleweed calls Clark brother. And brother, we better get down there quick or whatever he said. And so they go down and see that they, they question the doorman, fancy hotel. And he can't seem to remember it. He knows that there was a woman being brought out by two men. And she was heavily veiled. But he can't seem to remember where they were going. Until Clark produces a $10 bill, which might not seem like a lot now. I mean, I might try that as a bribe these days, but might not be that successful. But then you adjust this for inflation, 
and that would be about $150 in today's money. So this jogs the doorman's memory, and he remembers that uh, they were headed to 417 Water Street. So this is when Clark wants to shake Tumbleweed, so he tells him to just go to the Explorers Club and ask if Sidney Rycroft is a man or a woman that would help narrow things down for them, is what his idea is. And then Tumbleweed's going to go do that, and Clark is on his way at the end to 417 Water Street, which is where we end it. So I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a great one. I really liked it. Uh, I thought the end was exciting. And we have a switch to Superman. And I was, of course, glad to see that we got more tumbleweed. Why, you old hussy? <laughs> you four-legged drunk. <laughs> so I do look at this site called Take Me Back To to find out about some facts of the day for January 20th, 1941. A Nazi officer is murdered in Bucharest, Romania, sparking a rebellion and pogrom by the Iron Guard, killing 125 Jews and 30 soldiers. So, of course, we're heading into World War, we're in World War II, not really the United States yet. But it's just, you know, tragic things happening. Also, Chief Justice Charles Evan Hughes swears in U.S. President FDR for his third term. And that's news to me. I didn't know about third terms. I don't know if it's because of the tumultuous times, why Franklin Delano Roosevelt was getting a third term, or... How many presidents served third terms? And for a celebrity that was born, somebody I hadn't heard of, but Pierre Lalonde, who is a Canadian singer and television host. So I thought I would close the show with a song by Pierre, and that song will be called Love Looks So Good On You. And according to my demographics, on that I have through this Anchor app, I see 8% Canadian listeners. So if you are listening, let me know where you're from. I think it's interesting. I mean, I see what the thing says, but I'd like to actually hear from some of you out there. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, you can reach me. Superman Radio Revisited has a Facebook group, is on Twitter at Radio Superman, and you can leave me a voice message that I can play on the show through the Anchor app. I'm all about building a community of fans around the Superman Radio Show. Thank you for listening to Superman Radio Revisited. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and his copyright DC Comics. Theme song was Now Raise the Gods by Man's Ear. And all music used is copyright, the respective copyright holders.
Thank you, and goodbye.